love everybody, and I, I'm thankful that we're at least seeing a growth. Because last week, we were blessed to have the young ones lead us in worship. Did you love having all those kids in the church that you got last Sunday? Man, you guys are quiet. I don't know. I see heads nodding, but I don't hear any voices. So I'm thinking that head nod is yes, but you're really saying no with your voice because they, no. No, they were truly a blessing because having the young ones in the church means that the church is still alive. Can I get an agreement? So we're so excited that you're here. That's all the announcements that I have. I know my wife's got like a little packet back there of different ministries we're getting in the church and all those things. I want to remind everybody, we're thankful for our food bank and those that are working, Sister Jackie, Sister uh, Jeanette, Sister Lenora, Sister Joyce, Brother Eddie, my wife, myself, and everybody else that comes out. We fed almost 300 people this week, over 95 families this week again, and it's just phenomenal just to be able to be a beacon to those that need it. And best yet, because we're partnered with Second Harvest, they're able to help us get more and more things that we need to be able to pass out to those in need. It's, it's crazy knowing the economy that's going on, but I'm thankful that the church is stepping up and being a beacon. But if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to turn to um, Matthew chapter 14. And if you've ever been in the church, I can guarantee you have heard this section of Scripture. Come on, there, computer. There it goes. I can promise you, you have heard this segment of scriptures. Because it's one that's familiar. It's one that's such, it, it, it drives an imagination home with it. But the Lord took me on a journey as I was studying this week. And I was asking God, God, where do you want me to go next now that we're done with the church series? And he says, I want you to preach a different kind of message this week. And I said, okay, God. As long as I got you, as long as you're feeding me the materials, I'm going to preach whatever it takes. So if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter uh, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to go to verses 22. It's a little long version because we're going 22 to 33, so bear with me. I know everybody's eagerly waiting for the screens to pop up because I know you guys like to read it off the screen, so I'll go ahead and get started. And it says immediately, he, came, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And well, he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain to, by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and he says, Take heart in it. Do not be afraid. It is I. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him and saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back to the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
Lord, I thank you for right now for what you're doing, Lord. I ask that you let my stammering lips be what you need it to be, Lord. Let it be the edification of this body. Let it be the word that we need to get through these days, Lord, these last days that we're dealing with, Lord, as we look for our hope. But God, I need you just to take over, Lord, and let these, this message that you've given me be what you need it to be. Do not let me mar it. Do not let me be anything in it, but let it be all from you, in Jesus' name. And the church said, you see, we live in a world that is so prevalent with this thing called fear. Can I say that again? We live in a world prevalent with fear. You see, there are some people that are fearful to post anything on social media because they're afraid to get canceled. There are people that are afraid to just even go out the doors because of what they see. So, you know me, I like to Google things. I'm a young person. I like to Google. And so I Googled, what are the top 10 fears? And it gave me the top 10 fears of 20 and 21. A corrupt government official was number one. Loved ones dying was number two. Number three, a loved one getting COVID. Number four, loved ones getting seriously ill. Number five, civil unrest that was widespread all over. Number six, a pandemic or an epidemic. Number seven, a financial issue. Number eight, a cyber terrorism hitting our computers. And number nine, pollution. And number 10 was war. See, when I look at all those different fears, a lot of them were the same, but they were all wrapped up in different functions. But you see, we live in a world so tied and entangled in this thing called fear that, that so often what we keep hearing in the news and everybody around us is that well, we need to get rid of all fear, right? You see, the world wants us to have this perfect world order where nobody's going to fear, where we will wake up one single morning and we'll wake up and we'll step our foot out of bed and we don't have to worry about stepping on Legos. Am I the only one that's got kids with Legos in this place? Or who's ever had a kid who has Legos? Because you know if you step on a Lego, it's an instant. Ah! What about yet? Yeah, you wake up and next thing you know is you're, you're getting going and you're driving in the car and you're not fearful of a car wreck hitting you. Somebody driving erratically and hitting you. And then you get to work, you don't have to worry about your boss firing you. You get your paycheck, you don't have to worry about anything because everything's met. You see, the perfect world order has got no fear because all the things are met to you and, and all these things. That's what the world wants us to think. That's what we need to pursue after. We need to have this perfect, perfect, perfectional, perfect picture of everything that we have to find. And, 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 and it's like the t-shirts I can remember wearing as I was growing up that said the word no fear on it. See, I was growing up in the 80s and the 90s, and in the 90s we had these shirts because we wanted to say, we don't want to be just like Nike and just do it. We want to have no fear in it. And I kept thinking about it, and God kept ministering to me, and he kept saying, no fear. And I was like, yeah, God, I, I know. I'm supposed to walk in no fear. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to tell you and tell the church this morning. What he wants to tell the church this morning is one key fact that we have to hold on to. Because fear is important because without fear, there can be no faith. Can I say that again a little bit louder this morning? Without fear, there can be no faith. That means that there's got to be something that's within us that, that drives us. 
You see, the world wants a perfect order where we put our focus on it. But what God is trying to get us to understand is that fear is a powerful emotion that that can drive us to have an understanding of who God is deeper. I'm reminded of Hebrews 11.6 where it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek us or seek Him. It is a scary place on this side of heaven where we have the instinct that says that I don't need to have fear. I can do all things unto myself and I don't have to worry about anything. But yet we live in a world where it's constantly always driving home this key fact that fear is relevant and needed. See, fear drives people. Fear of COVID-19, what did it do? It drove us all to buy all the toilet paper in all of the United States where we couldn't even find it. Lord knows, I had to go to Sam's Club and I got five daughters because you know that's going to be a necessity in my house. Luckily, my mom, mom, when you watch this, thank you for buying us toilet paper during COVID. She would Amazon it to us and it was a wonderful thing when she could find it. But fear is something that can drive us into multiple avenues, but it also does such great things within us that that drives home certain points. See, fear often drives me to either want to stand still or fight. We live in a world right now where it seems like fear is stopping us left and right and telling us never to take a step forward. Fear is the thing that's telling us you can't do that or you can't do this. You have to do it this way so you don't make people mad. Let me tell you right now, my wife is a people pleaser. She's going to know this as true. She likes to make sure everybody's happy. Me? Not so much. It's a wonderful combination. It's a wonderful dialogue in our house where we talk, conversate of who's going to get happy and who's not. And what I've realized is there's always a situation where I have to weigh out a truth within it all. You see, we live in a crazy time, in a crazy world where we want to lose fear. But we have to have fear in order to find this thing called faith that will ever please who God is and what he wants in our lives. You see, I was going through all of it. All of the Bible, all of my big theological stuff, all of my different Bible apps, trying to understand the dynamic of fear and how it applies to where we are at in our lives. And all I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, without fear, there can be no faith. Without fear, there can be nothing that will drive you to ever understand that there's something greater beyond. Could you imagine waking up and never having to fear about a Lego? And, and, then, and then all of a sudden you wake up and there's a fear of that Lego. And all of a sudden you're like, Lord, please do not let me step on a Lego when I get out of this bed this morning. There are days that I wake up and I get into the car and I get ready to come to the church. And I'm like, Lord, take this wheel. Take the wheels around me, Lord, so I don't have a car wreck. There are other days where I can remember. I was telling Brother Kenny this morning. We were talking about Brother Mike and his heart stuff, and, and I, was, I was in the hospital with him yesterday, and his heart was going up and down, left and right, and every which way, direction-wise, because the numbers were all over. And I told Brother, Brother Kenny, I said, I can remember a moment in my life where my heart would go from 50 beats per minute, resting in my, my recliner, watching Home Garden, and next thing I know is it's up to 199 beats per second, sits there for five minutes, and then drops down. It was in those moments that I got fearful. I got so fearful because I'm like, honey, I don't know what's going on. The doctors keep telling me I'm crazy. 
And she says, I don't know, honey. And I said, all I can think to do is I need to pray. Because my fear is the thing that will drive me to the one who can overcome it. That's why without fear there can be no faith. We can't, we can't honor God with our faith without an understanding that there has to be a hope that we have to long for that's even deeper and greater than where we're at. Could you imagine all of the situations in your life where if you didn't have a fear that you would have no dependency on who God is and what he wants to do in your life? Church, what I feel God is trying to tell us is it's time to let fear be something that we understand greater. If I asked you today, will you go to the store? Most of you say, yes, I will go to the store. If God were to ask you today, will you go to church today for me? Some of you might say, yeah, I'll go to church today, depending on my mood. Can we just be real? I'll be honest. I woke up this morning. I looked at Melissa. I said, can we just sleep in this morning? She says, no, it's Sunday. I said, okay, I guess we got to go. <laughs> what about if God asked you to go talk to some random person and tell them about the gospel? How many people of us would say, yeah, I'll go? without an understanding that there might be a fear that comes through where you're asking them and you're like, they're going to reject me, God. I don't want to talk about that and all these things. And God's saying, you got to walk out in faith. And he's, you're like, no, i got a little bit of a fear that I'm measuring out and it's causing me to be a little torn. What about giving 10% of your tithes, of all your income to the tithe? And most people in the world today that come into churches to say, no, I can't do that. My wallet's too tight. I can't do that. No, pastor, you don't understand the dynamic. It's, 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 it's about what I need, not about what God's requiring of me. And God's asking this, and it's a call to faith, but we put fear in front of God, and it causes a dynamical difference. What about going on top of your tithe and saying, I'm going to give an extra offering? I don't mean to say that we want money. What I'm saying is God is testing the church, and he wants to understand the dynamic of fear over faith. What about... This one, God dropped in my nugget here. What about you got a vacation plan and all of a sudden the God says, no, I want you to give that vacation to somebody else. That's a hard one. Better yet, you got a brand car, a new car that you love to drive, and all of a sudden God says, I want you to go give it to that person, and you sit back and wait. Let me tell you, I've heard of ministers that have had God tell them these different situations in their life, and they're like, okay, God, the fear is I love my car. It's awesome. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's perfect and everything, and, 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 and there's an argument that comes on, but there's a confusion that comes across it because without fear, there can be no faith because we have to do something. When God is asking us to do some miraculous things, we have to say, God, what can we do that goes beyond this? God, what can we do that goes beyond where we're at? Because my fear is perfectly valid. But God is trying to tell the church, it's time to let that perfectly valid fear be the thing that drives you to the infinite, awesome power of faith. You see, faith is the thing of, that we have to hold on to. I love how Hebrews 1 says, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, of the things not yet seen. We have to have faith to hold on that if God says it, he'll bring it through. That if there's fear, that it's always going to be outweighed by who God is. If there's fear, there's always going to be something even greater. That is why I love that when Jesus looked at his disciples in the scriptures, we said that he sent them out on the boat ahead of him. He says, hey, you go. I'm going to stay. First time he's done that yet. The rest of the time, all the disciples are like, hey, there's Jesus. 
Where are we, where are we going today, Jesus? And he's like, we're going to go over here. Follow. Hey, Jesus, what are we going to do? Hey, I want you to go look for a boy over there, and I want you to ask him what he's got for lunch today. Okay, Jesus, you're right here with us. Yeah, I'm right here with you. They bring back the lunch, and all of a sudden the boy, they're like, he's got two loaves and, and a couple fish here, or five loaves and a couple fish, and they're like, um, um, Jesus, this math don't add up, and Jesus is trying to show them faith in those aspects. But then all of a sudden, after that whole wonderful meal, that's when Jesus looks at him and says, get in the boat. I'll be there afterwards, you don't know when, but I'll be there, just trust. And then all of a sudden, the wind starts going up against the boat. And it starts getting a little rocky and a little shaky and all those things. Because if you know anything about the, 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 the lakes in that area, in the Mediterranean, the, the Sea of Galilee, if a little wind comes up, the waves get pretty, uh, pretty gnarly a little bit too quickly. And, and all of a sudden, they're fighting up against it. But then all of a sudden, they start seeing something going across it. And they start seeing Jesus start coming out and doing something miraculous. And they start going, what is going on? And they look and they see Jesus and they're like, he's a ghost. What is going on? And their fear starts piling up on top, on top of everything else. And what God is trying to tell the church is that fear is the thing that will always let you transform who your understanding of who God is. This is a tough crowd this morning. You see, to know fear is so that you can know what faith truly is. That's a message that God's been wrecking my life with for the last few months. I mean, I've, I've always walked out in faith. You've heard my testimonies. You've, if you go back and if you ever look at some of the old messages, you'll hear the crazy stories of what God's done, where I had to say, God, what is it that this faith is that i got to hold on to? But what I keep hearing God say is it's time for the church to start understanding what the fear is that they're looking at. That's why when I go up to a spider in the house that my wife is crying, oh, kill it, kill it, kill it, and I'm looking at it going, fear, my shoe is bigger than you. Spider, you have no power over this sandal as it's whacking you in the head. And sometimes we have to look at our fears in the same way. I'm afraid of heights. I get up on these tall buildings and I'm like, heights, the only thing you could do is either make me fall down really fast and die and I get to heaven, or I get to stand here and I get to exalt God even a little higher. Better yet, I look at my finances and they're dried up and I'm getting fearful because I might not have money in the bank account. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, but my math doesn't always equal with what God's math is. And I know that God is able to supply all my needs exceedingly and abundantly more than I'd ever understand. The same is true for every other fear that we encounter. Could you imagine it? Somebody coming up saying, I'm going to kill you. And you're like, why do you want to kill me? And, and they give you a whole long list and all of a sudden you're like, I don't care what you do anymore. That's what the disciples transformed their knowledge into. They didn't care any longer. They didn't care if the Pharisees wanted to kill them. They didn't care that Rome wanted to kill them. They said, your fear is something that I'm going to look at, and I'm going to tell you that it's a lie. And I'm going to hold on to the truth that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly greater than anything you would ever calculate. But that's because we have to look at the fear and understand how it's showing us what our faith is. Just like in Luke chapter 17. 
This is a hard truth for the church to understand. Luke chapter 17, it talks about how Jesus is walking along the side of the road and ten leapers, or lepers, are over there going, Jesus, will you just heal us? And he's like, what are you fearful of? Well, we're tired of being rejected. We're tired of all this different stuff. And he says, okay, I'll heal you. Heals them all. You know what happens to all those ten people? You see, church, fear is what we understand that lets us understand who greater that God is. I don't even think that makes sense. It lets us understand greater the impact of what God is doing in our lives, but he's also asking us and inviting us to do something even greater with, through him, with and through him. You see, nine of those lepers ran off and went to the priest and did all their things and went back to their normal lives. One of them stayed and worshipped. You see, fear can do two things if we don't know it. Or if we know, fear can do two things. One, you cannot know it, and you'll go back to your life. If you know what it is, then you'll understand your desperate need for Jesus and for God in your life. I'm looking at the clock, and I still got tons more. Brother Jim, I'm sorry. I got a lot more to go, and I know you got to get to the prisons here in a little bit. But here's what God has been trying to tell me that i got to hold on to. You see, there's something great that we have to hold on to deeper and longer and harder and with more veracity because God is able to do something crazy. You see, Jesus in his last minutes, of, or in the, in the minutes of the story that we find his ministries, he healed them all. He, he was desperate to see something transform. That's why he was willing to do it all. He wanted to make a difference in the world. And he was walking for three years. Focus, Steve. But you see... Fear will either drive us to say yes or no. See, Jesus was God among us. He knew all that he was going to do, and he says, I'll do it nonetheless. I'll take you all the way to the cross. The Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, if this cup will pass from me, let it pass, but nonetheless, thy will be done. The same is true when God starts encountering us, when we look at the obstacles that we're going to face. And it's either a yes or a no. God, I'll serve you, yes. God, I can't serve you because I'm too afraid, no. But what we have to understand that the deepness of it is the knowledge of our fear is going to transform us of our knowledge of who God is. It's a profound saying, but it doesn't always calculate people's heads. You see, God wants you to know fear so that way you can know what truly faith is. Could you imagine Abraham walking up the side of the mountain with Isaac without a wonder of what's going to happen? And all of a sudden, Abraham's looking at Isaac going, okay, I don't know, but I'm going to have faith. My fear is that I don't want to kill my son. But my faith is that God is greater than that. The same is true for us today. How many of us have had seasons and storms that seem like they're bigger than us, they're bigger than we could ever carry? How many of us have been places where it seems so dark that we could never see a light? 
But yet we have to hold on that this right here, this testimony of whose God's goodness is, the stories that are written in it of all the disciples, of all the founding fathers, all the fathers of faith that we have, we can go back and we can read it and we can see how they said, no fear, no faith. I'm going to know my fear and I'm going to know my faith because I'm going to trust that God is greater than anything that I'll encounter. It's like people with cancer. They have to understand there's a deepness and a depth to it. When we have cancer, you can always tell who's the Christian and who's not. Just like on the deathbed, working in nursing homes, me and my wife, we could always tell who was a Christian on their deathbed and who wasn't. Why? Because there was always a fear in those that weren't. There was always a rejoicing in those that were. The same is true for cancer. Nonetheless, thy will be done. Nonetheless, thy will be done. You see, that's where our faith has to go into. That's where when we get back in the text, we see Peter doing it. He says, I don't care. There's a ghost out here. But Jesus saying, I am who I am. I'll meet you out there. And sometimes, even in the face of the obstacles we encounter, we have to say, Jesus, call me out. Jesus. Call me out of this place and let me walk on the unknown ground. See, I love the story how Jesus wa- or Peter walked out on the water because all of a sudden Jesus says, come. And Peter's like, okay, I'm going to put my toe in the what? What in the world is this? What? I can walk. And it says he made it to Jesus. But as he was walking, he starts looking around and his fear started coming into it. You see, there are going to be times in your life where you're going to walk out in faith and God's going to show you some awesome things, but the enemy's always going to try to come and lie to you. He's always going to try to come and get you to stop what you're doing. Trust me, I know. I do it every, every day with the devil. If somebody would have told me being a pastor, I wouldn't have to fight the devil this hard, I probably would have said no. But it's the faith that I walk into that my God is exceedingly abundantly able to get me through everything that I encounter. The same's true for you. You don't have to be a pastor to understand that depth. You don't have to understand even greater the impact of what God is trying to do. You see, we have to do something so mighty if we would allow God to do it. It's time for us to start taking a step of faith on unknown grounds and seeing what God can do through that faith to make it firm and a foundation that you can stand on, you can dance on, you can praise on, you can get mighty, all excited about who God is as you glorify His name. You see, because fear is always going to want to stop the move of God. But faith will always keep it moving and keep it alive. Just like Peter at Cornelius' house, he knew it wasn't a right place according to Jewish traditions. He knew he might get a little, a little chastised for going into a Roman official's house, but yet he said, I don't care. I want to see God's glory go through it all. I want to see faith show an awesome thing. You see, he wanted to see what, 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 what hope would do. He wanted to feel the confidence of what God was going to do. He wanted to trust God through the journey as he was leading it through it. The hardest thing for all of us to do is to truly trust God and praise him when we have been through a strong storm. But that's when we realize that the moment we step out of the boat and onto the fear that God turns into our foundation, 
that we can look at it and we can trust that we're not going to get swallowed by it, but we're going to get to actually walk on streets of faith in all of the journey. That is why God is telling us that, that faith will empower us. It will do the thing that will get us through the storms of this life and the hardships that we will encounter. But we have to hold on. The word says, do not fear for 365 times. I've counted it once. It's true. They're in all different facets and all different forms. But in all of it, it never says that you have to cast out your fears. Isaiah, or Psalms 34, and there it goes. 34, 4 through 5. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalms 91, 4 through 5. He will cover you in the, with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear, fear the terror of the night for the arrows that fly by day. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold you in my right hand, and it is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Deuteronomy 3 and 22 says, you shall not fear for the Lord, your God goes, or your God who fights for you is with you. Church, we have to have the knowledge that, the, that we, if we trust God through everything, that we will win this world. That if we trust God with everything, we will see souls transformed. We will see sicknesses get cast out. Truly, I believe that the day of Pentecost was just a starting point. He says in the latter days, you will do exceedingly abundantly what I've done. Because uh, the Holy Spirit's power within us. But it's time for us to understand our fear and truly let it be the thing that drives our faith as we step out. Trust me, it's uncomfortable to step out, but when we step forward, we'll see the mighty hand of God move. But I have to ask, who's willing to step forward? If you'll stand with me this morning, I see the time. Probably do a part two of this, I don't know. We'll see what God wants to do next week. But what I feel that God is asking today is, is your fear going to always outweigh God? Or is your faith going to drive you to Him? You see, the Lord is trying to tell us that we have to have hope in whatever we go through, that God is able to get you through it. But it's time to let the fear that might stop you and the confidence, or let, that might stop you, let that be a, a, just a, a, an unresounding find where your confidence is in God that will, you will not drown in whatever you deal with. That when you trust God's goodnesses and mercies, that you will say to the Lord, you are my help in my ever-present time of need. And I will, no matter what the cost, follow you. So I want to ask this morning, if you're willing to follow God, step forward in the altars this morning. If you're willing to say, God, I don't care the cost, I want to serve you, come forward. This is not an altar call like we always, it's just an empowering call. Because I truly feel that God is saying that the church needs to step forward and say no matter what the cost, I'm willing to do it. I'm not going to let my fear drive me home any longer. I'm not going to let my fear be the thing that, that hampers me, but I'm going to let my faith exceedingly and abundantly move forward. If you're online this morning too, and that's your call, just let us know. We're going to pray with you too. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come closer, guys. COVID's over. Come on. Start hugging each other. Get, get, hold each other's shoulders up. I want you guys to start praying with each other.
But let's pray. Father God, Lord, we want to just give you the glory. Lord, I know the enemy wants to give us fear that will stop us. But Lord, I want the fear that empowers us into the journey of faith, Lord, as we trust you harder, as we trust you longer, as we trust you deeper than ever we've been before. God, we want you to move mightily, Lord, upon all of us, Lord. Empower us, Lord, with everything we have. God, we trust you to to be the one that, that gives us the strength when we doubt. But Lord, today we are declaring it's our time to step forward. It's our time to move mightily, to be the vessels that you've called us to be, to be the beacons of light that you've called us to be, the difference makers that you've called us to be, to be bolder than any devil that would come against us. Lord, your word says that if we have your name, Jesus, the the devils have to flee. Jesus, the devils have to flee right now because their lies will not hold any ground any longer. But we trust you. Jesus, just keep moving, Lord. Church, raise your hands forward and start praying for these people up here. Father God, Lord, I just strengthen the oh, But God, we just ask that you just keep moving, Lord. Lord, this church needs you. Lord, we are so sick and tired of playing the same games. But God, your word says if we will turn from our our ways, Lord, and start seeking you, we will hear from heaven. Lord, we're ready to hear from heaven. 
Because we're so tired of hearing the faith or the fear of this world that we need the faith of heaven to come down. Touch us, Lord, in this place. Restore us, Lord, in this place. And guide us, Lord. Lord, I praise you for what you're doing in this building and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love every single one of you. I'm so thankful for every single one of you. And I'm waiting to see what God's going to do in the next few days, next few weeks. Because I know what he's been speaking in my spirit, and I know how hard the devil's been fighting. But I'm ready to tell the devil to get beside us.